Let us pray together. Ezekiel 36 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Heavenly Father, we declare not just with our lips, but with our hearts, minds, soul, and strength that God, that we are your people and that God, that you are our God. So God, today, this very morning, on February 13th of 2022, we declare not just with our lips, but with everything that we are and who we are, we declare, God, you are our God and you are everything. We surrender everything we have, all that we have accomplished, all that we have done. We lay them down all at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. May your name be glorified today in this service. And now, guys, you transition to the message. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts who will be listening here today may be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer and our savior. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Let's take a moment to greet one another at this time. Praise team, great job. Let's give our everything and our worship and our service to God and everything that we do. Amen? Not just here at church, but even in our own personal day-to-day during the weekday as well. Uh, can we now turn to the screen? Today's title is called The Noble Heart. The Noble Heart. What does it mean to have a noble heart? Let's look at our main passage here today, found in Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Starting with verse 15, it says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who what? Hear the word retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Let me read it one more time. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now keep in mind, this is from the parable of the sower. It's taken from there are many different references here, but I took it from Luke 8 version, but there's also Matthew 13 version, and there's also Mark 4 version, but today we'll be focusing on Luke's version. And in this particular verse, in this passage, Jesus teaches us that to have a noble heart, your heart must be cultivated, it must be captivated in Jesus Christ. 
for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So my question to you is, is your heart cultivated? Is it captivated in Jesus Christ this very morning? If you look at John 15, a passage that we're all familiar of, particularly verse 4 to 8, it says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. John 15, 4-8. Now, to have the title, The Noble Heart, is our badge of honor as Christians. I remember a long time ago, I had a close younger brother, Tongzheng of mine, and he was in the Boy Scouts. And he has all the badges, the merit badges, on his uniform, right? I don't know if anyone here ever done Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, or any of that in that nature, no? Okay, but there are badges that you receive in Boy Scouts and in Girl Scouts. Some of these badges that I saw were coin collecting, Ronnie. <laughs> you were into coins, and also Josh as well. There's canoeing, there's also skating. There are many different merit badges in the Boy Scouts and also in the military as well. If you're aware, there's the Medal of Honor. That's the highest medal and badge that, that you can get. And there is also the Purple Heart. There's the cross. I think there's the Navy cross. The, there's different military cross that you receive. There's a silver. And then there's the bronze, the star that you receive. And there are many different badges that you receive. But as a Christian... To have the noble heart, to have a noble heart is our badge of honor as men and women of God. So the question is, do you have that badge, that medal, that title, the badge that is called the noble-hearted individual? Do you have a noble heart? The noble heart is for, number one, starting point number one, the one who believes. It's for the one who believes. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must what? Believe. Believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the word seek, the word faith, the word belief, they all exist together. You have to believe that God exists and the noble heart is for those 
the one who believes. John 14, 1, Jesus says, and the title says, Jesus comforts his disciples. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Because Jesus makes it very clear. If you continue reading, John 14, verse 6 to 7 now, the title says, Jesus, the way to the Father, because Jesus says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God, the Father, except through me. If you really know me, you will know God, my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Skip over to verse 17 to 18. Same chapter, chapter 14, John 14. The title says, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth, it says. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you, men and women of God, you, the Christian, men and women of God, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Amen. John has so much of the Trinity mentioned here, particularly here in chapter 14. It talks about the Father. It talks about Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We also know the famous verse and chapter of John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word where it talks about the Trinity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We also see it here in John chapter 14, all working together. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe in the Father, in the Son, and the Holy Spirit? The noble heart is for the one who believes. Point number two, the noble heart is for the one who seeks. Who seeks. The same verse I read in point number one, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek. Seek him. And we see the difference in the Bible, in the characters, the ones who sought after God versus the ones who rejected God. We see a complete opposite of Jacob and Esau, the two twins. Esau was the older twin. Jacob was a heel grabber, which means he was a deceiver, a liar. Esau, he received by inheritance, by law, as the oldest of the son. He receives all the blessing, all the inheritance as the first child. But what does Esau do? He gives up his birthright. He gives up his inheritance for a bowl of soup. For the lust of this world. For the hunger of this world. He gave it all up. And then Jacob said, I will make you, I will give you this bowl of soup. I will give you the soup if you give me the inheritance. Yes, Jacob was a deceiver. And the way he went about it was wrong. 
But one thing that set him apart from Esau was that what? Jacob was hungry for the things of God. He sought after God. He wanted the presence of God. He wanted the birthright. He wanted the inheritance of God. That was the difference. And in life, you will make two choices. You will follow the birthright, the inheritance of God, and you will want it, and you will seek after it. Or you will reject it, and you will walk away from church. You will walk away from God, and you will reject Him forever. There is only two options. The way to eternity in heaven with God, or the eternity away from God in hell, away from Him. Forever away from His presence, from His holy presence. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek, seek, seek him. John 4, verse 23 to 26 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What kind of people? What kind of worshipers? The worshipers who worship the Father, who worships God in spirit and in truth. Verse 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must, must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you, I am he. I am who I am. I am he. Are you seeking the Father? Are you constantly seeking after him? He is here speaking to us. We serve a living God, and every day he's seeking out after us. The question is, are we seeking after him? May we seek after him. Amen? May we continually, daily, every single day. How? So point A, through reading. Letter B, through praying. Letter C, through worshiping. P-P-I-N-G, because I believe that's, I think that's the British way. P-I-N-G is the American way. Either way, spelling is correct. For those smarty pants, I think that's spelled wrong. Through worshiping, we're doing British style. Letter D, can you do British accent, Ronnie? Can you say through, can you do it in a British accent, please, for the group? Through worshiping, please. Wow, good job. I'm going to give a hand to Ronnie. Good job. <laughs> okay, through obeying and through forsaking, through reading, through praying, through worshiping, through obeying, through forsaking. When I say forsaking, I'm talking about not just old, your old life of sin, but your pride, your worldly dreams that you have for yourself, your worldly success, your popularity, your anger, all your crowns, your accomplishments, you lay them down at the feet of Jesus Christ. Just like the song, the cross before me, 
the world behind me. No turning back. Raise the banner high. It's not for me, but it's all for you. Amen. If you look at Mark chapter 14, 3 to 11, here we see the story of Jesus being in Bethany while he's reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. And here comes a woman, a stranger, with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. It says this cost her whole saving, the money that she has saved. It says she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Verse 4, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Imagine being the only woman here in this scenario. And everyone, all the men rebuking her, not gently, but harshly. But who stands up for her? Jesus, verse 6, leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a what? A beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. Jesus is saying, know the times. Know the times. It's time for my death and my resurrection. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Like I said earlier, and I'm going to say this throughout today's message, when you hear the words of Jesus, when you come to church, when you hear the gospel, the truth You'll respond in two ways. Either you will worship God and forsake the world, or you will forsake God and worship the world. You cannot serve two masters. Man, money, the God of this age, you cannot serve both God and money at the same time. That's what we see here in Mark 14. Judas Iscariot was motivated by money, he loses his soul, his salvation, his everything. One of the twelve, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them, and they were delighted. All the evil individuals, they were delighted, and they promised them money, 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 money. You cannot serve two masters. A perfect example of someone who forsook money is the guy by the name of Zacchaeus, found in Luke 19. And if you read his story, let's read it together. It says in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. When it says chief tax collector, meaning he was the chief of all sinners, 
because tax collectors were hated by their own people because they would take their money from his own Jewish people and they would give it to the Roman Empire, to the Roman government. So he was known as a traitor and he was wealthy. Everyone despised him, hated him. Verse 3, he wanted to see. He sought after Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he's just jumping, trying to see Jesus. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. Imagine he climbs up the tree and Jesus makes a left turn. He's just like, oh no, he has to go around. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. How does Jesus even know his name? Maybe he was popular. Maybe people talked about it. Maybe people told him to be wary of him too. Jesus ignored that guy. The short text, the chief text collector. Ignore him. We hate him. He's a sinner. But Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. We see the supernatural act of God. Jesus already knows. He already knows that in Jericho, as he's going through, that he will encounter a short man who's seeking after him, who is hungry for him, who is desperate for him, who is willing to go ahead of the crowd and climb a tree just to see and seek after Jesus, just to put his gaze upon him, a Savior. And then what does it say in verse 6? So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give, what is he talking about? He's talking about the money. Half of my possession to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Pretty much he's saying, I will give all that I have to follow you. And then what does Jesus say in 9? Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to his house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to what? Seek and to save the lost. Complete contrast, opposite of the rich young man who walked away sad because he couldn't give up his riches. But Zacchaeus here, who is known as the chief sinner of all, he receives salvation, grace, and mercy, just like this woman found here in Mark 14, as she receives protection and salvation and grace and mercy. We'll respond in two ways. Either you will worship God and forsake the world, or you will forsake God and worship the world. What the Bible is teaching us, the gospel is teaching us, is truly all or nothing. There is no middle ground. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be 
for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Money? Nope. Your possessions? Nope. Nothing can save you except for Jesus Christ himself. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. May you lose your life in Jesus Christ so that you may save your soul. Amen? Save yourself. Save your soul. Count the cost. As you're seeking God, count the cost. Know what you're getting yourself into before you get yourself into it. Know the cost of being a disciple. Luke 14 says the cost of being a disciple, focusing on specifically in verse 27, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple, which is very similar to what we just read in Matthew 16. But Luke 14, the title is The Cost of Being a Disciple. So if you got to look and read the whole thing, verse 25 to 35, but I'm focusing on verse 27, but pretty much what Jesus is saying here in verse 25 to 35, he's saying, count the cost. Know what you're getting yourself into. Before you go ahead and you start planning and you start executing that plan, what do you do? Before you start moving, what do you do? You count the cost of how much it's going to cost. How much is the apartment going to cost? How much is my housing going to cost? How much is my budget going to cost for the food? How much driving do I need to do? My commute to work. Count the cost. Count it. If it doesn't work, don't do it. Don't go over your budget. Count the cost. Count it. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Because if you don't count the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you don't count the cost, later I promise you, and I've seen it over and over again with young Christian men and women of God, you will discard your calling and you will walk away. They have this Cinderella fantasy these so-called foolish leaders who will teach you to follow God and he will make you rich. He will make you successful. The prosperity gospel, the false gospel, count the cost. Know what you're getting yourself into it before you get yourself into it. Know what you're getting yourself into before you get into it. It. Count the cost. And we have so many Christian leaders these days, quote unquote leaders, that are walking away from their faith. Some examples are Joshua Harris, who wrote A Kiss Dating Goodbye, Marty Sampson, used to be the praise leader for Hillsong, Dave Gass. Paul Maxwell, who wrote the book, Desiring God. And you will say to yourself, this is too hard. Jesus, I know I said yes to you, but this is too much. 
And why you're saying that is because when the gospel was presented to you when you were young, somebody, a person, someone should have shared with you the truth of what you are getting yourself into. They should have presented to you the true gospel. You must know what we are getting ourselves into before getting ourselves into it. Before you say yes, know what you're getting yourself into. Jesus did not give us his word, the gospel, to flatter us, to trick us into following him with cupcakes, snacks, and music. No, sir. He gave it to us to what? Simple. To save us and to rescue us. And usually churches that use carnal ways to attract carnal people, to attract carnal men and women, secular people, this may work temporarily. They'll play Led Zeppelin, they'll play secular music just to attract these people. It may work temporarily. It may just put a band-aid on the wound, but that is not the way. If you use secular means to attract secular individuals to church, it's going to most times, it's going to lead to disaster, and I've seen it. But the ones who remain are the ones who know the truth. They know what they are getting themselves into. They know the true gospel. Lies, like if you follow Jesus, you'll be this rich. No. The truth is, if you seek after Jesus, just like Zacchaeus, just like the woman in Mark 14, if you follow Jesus, you will surrender. You will lay it all down. Everything. All that you have. All your dreams. If you follow Jesus, you will be persecuted. If you follow Jesus, you shall forfeit all your worldly dreams. If you follow Jesus, you shall and you will lose all your popularity in this world. That's the truth. John 15, verse 18 to 19 says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. What is it? The world hates Jesus. The world wants nothing to do with godliness and with Jesus. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Verse 19, if you belong to the world, it will love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, even though you're in the world. That is why the world hates you. And the truth is, godly love, godly discipline, godly rebuke to be in God, it always triumphs over flattery, over lies. And here are some of the flatteries and lies, as I mentioned earlier. If you follow God, he will make everything easy. You won't struggle anymore. You'll become rich. But here's the truth and the reality. I don't need flattery. I need the truth. 
I need to know that God will be in the midst of my situation. Sometimes that situation may not change. The situation at home is not going to change. But we understand what changes is our hearts, our hearts' desires. Our heart breaks for what breaks God's heart. We start mimicking, representing the image of Jesus Christ in the current situation that we're in. Godly truth, godly rebuke, godly discipline, the gospel always triumphs over flattery. You know, growing up, I received many flatteries from so-called Christian leaders in my lifetime, especially when I was younger, a young leader, people who are older leaders, they will give a lot of flatteries, flattering words, which are good things, but in the end, they're just flattery stuff. What I wanted from them was the truth, the hardship, the path of being a pastor. How difficult it's going to be. And the ones I remember, the leaders that I remember, are the ones who brought truth into my life, who brought corrections into my life. Not leaders who brought flatteries and lies. False hope. And the Bible is very clear, especially in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 28 says, Flattering mouth works ruin. Proverbs 28, 23, Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. Proverbs 29, 5, Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. What happens when you get caught in a net? You get caught and you die. That's what happens to fishes. You die. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. It's a trap. May we receive the truth of what we're getting ourselves into. Amen? Know what you're getting yourselves into. One of my favorite movies is called We Were Soldiers. In this scene, Lieutenant Colonel Hell Moore, he gives a speech to his cavalry, the 7th Cavalry. Look around you. In the 7th Cavalry, we got a captain from the Ukraine, another from Puerto Rico. We've got Japanese, Chinese, blacks, Hispanics, Cherokee Indians, Jews and Gentiles, all Americans. Now here in the States, some man in this unit may experience discrimination because of race or creed. But for you and me now, all that is gone. Just to give you context, they're about to go to war in Vietnam. This is their final speech before they go to war. And everyone's standing in line, listening to the speech by their leader, Helmore. And what does he say? He says, all that is gone, creed, your race. He says, we're moving into the valley of the shadow of death, where you will watch the back of the man next to you as he will watch yours. And you won't care what color he is or by what name he calls God. They say we're leaving home. We're going to what home was always supposed to be. So let us understand the situation. We are going into battle against a tough and determined enemy. I can't promise you that I will bring you all home alive. 
But this I swear before you and before Almighty God, that when we go into battle, I will be the first to set foot on the field, and I will be the last to stop off, and I will leave no one behind, dead or alive. We will all come home together. So help me, God. And here's the truth and the reality of the matter in terms of the gospel. In your Christian journey, not all will make it to the end. Some will fall away. Some will reject. And the truth is, in the end times, many, the Bible says, many will fall away. And that's already happened. And I see that even with friends, people that I grew up with, there is no hint of faith in God. They have fallen away. Therefore, as Christians, we must guard our hearts. We must guard our lives. And guard the path that we are walking in. Because we can easily slip and fall away in an instant. Slip or slope. John 6, verse 66 to 71. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked 12. 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One, our God. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. Out of the many, the twelve remain. This is the passage where Jesus is offering his flesh. You need to eat my flesh, drink my blood. People are like, oh, no, it's disgusting. I can't do this too much. And they all walk away. And only 12 are remaining. But even among the 12, even among the chosen, one is of the devil. He falls hard, forever falling away from the Lord. You need to seek after God every single day. Amen? Every single moment. Point number three. The noble heart is for the one whose heart is made new. Do you have a new heart in Christ? Or do you have the heart of stone, your old heart? The prayer that I prayed in the beginning in Ezekiel chapter 36 Specifically, verse 25 to 28, it says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a, what? A new heart. And put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people 
and I will be your God. What does it mean, a heart of flesh? It's not talking about the worldly flesh of sin. It's talking about being able to feel. Just like when you touch something, you're able to feel all the senses, the tingling, the senses that we have, rather than a rock where we don't feel anything. I will give you a new heart, which comes with a new spirit. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. When you're in Christ, you'll receive a new heart, a new spirit, which is called a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. Amen? Next, point number four. The noble heart is for the one who guards his or her new heart. You need to work. You need to work in protecting and guarding your heart. It just doesn't happen naturally. You don't have the, the turtle shells constantly not doing anything and just constantly doing the work. And one goes out and another comes in. It doesn't work like that. You need to actually drive and get one of those, what are those called? The stars with the question mark. You need to get the shells. You need to work for it. You need to work in guarding your heart. You need to be active every single day. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Everything. That's why when... I say, if you could place your right hand to your heart, the left side of your chest, your heart representing your life, your heart is your life. Without our heart, we have nothing. We need a new heart. Ezekiel 36. A heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And as Moses commanded the Israelites in Deuteronomy 4.9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely. So you do not forget the things your eyes have seen. Or let them fade from your what? As long as you live. Teach them to your children. And to their children after them. Many of us, we've been compromising our hearts. We have failed as gatekeepers as guardians of our hearts. Instead, we have complained, we have grumbled, and this is the easiest way to not guard your heart, is to have a complaining attitude, to grumble, wanting to go back to Egypt. They always wanted to go back to Egypt. You have built other idols. Here, Moses, he addresses in Deuteronomy specifically about the golden calves, other idols, other gods, lowercase g gods they have built for themselves. You have allowed your heart to wander far away from the Lord and into the world. Guard the new heart that you have received. Amen? Amen. And lastly, point number five. 
The noble heart is for the one who remains in his love. The one who remains in his love. Now in the main passage, earlier in the beginning, I mentioned John 15, 4 to 8. But let's just focus on verse 9 through 11 real quick. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And it is completed in John 15, 9 through 11. Because without God, without remaining in God, we will wither. We are thrown away. We are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned, it says in John 15, 4 to 8. But those who remain in the Lord, those who remain in God, in Christ, we will bear much fruit. And we cannot bear any fruit if we're not in the vine, if we're not in Jesus Christ. We are the branches. He is the vine. Remain in him and I in you and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The one who remains in his love. The one with a noble heart shall and will, will always remain in his love. So going back to the examples that I gave with these leaders, Joshua Harris, Marty Sampson, Paul Maxwell, these individuals who publicly, they proclaim that they are no longer Christians, that they have walked away. In quote, this is what they wrote. I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Another individual wrote, time for some real talk. Marty Sampson says, I'm genuinely losing my faith. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I am not in it anymore. I am losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. They have no conviction of the Holy Spirit. I am no longer a professing Christian. I am not in it anymore. So the question is, how do we remain in his love? How do you go from someone 
who is regarded as a Christian leader in the community, where millions have read your book, where God has used you in front of thousands and thousands of crowds. You're up there singing the praise songs, just like the songs that we sang this morning. How do you go from that to professing that they are no longer in the faith, that they're not a Christian anymore? How do we remain in the love of Jesus Christ? Well, we remain in his love, just like it says in John 15, by remaining in Jesus. We need to remain. Like I said, through reading, through praying, through forsaking, through obeying. I know it's obeying and forsaking. But you need to do that constantly. You need to guard your heart every single day. You need to realize and understand that Jesus is the source of everything that you do. Jesus is the source of all that you are. Jesus is the air that you breathe, the food that you eat, the drink that you drink. Do you understand that? He's the source of everything. Your air, the food that you eat, the daily food of the word that you munch on. Not in YouTube or in videos or in secular music. And the drink that you drink, as Jesus says in John 6, you need to eat my flesh and you need to drink my blood. And if you don't, you will have no part in me. The cost of being a disciple. Count the cost. It's too hard for you now. I never tricked you. That was the truth from the beginning. It's all or nothing, just like Zacchaeus. Today, salvation is found in your household, Zacchaeus. What did, what did Zacchaeus do when Jesus called him? Zacchaeus, it says he came down in faith. And therefore, he was honored for his action, for his tremendous faith. Without Christ, we have no life other than to live in the shell of a body that so many of millions and millions of people in this world are living. If you look at social media, for doing their cute little dances, trying to get many followers as you can, trying to lose so much weight to look good in this young body that we have, that this is my purpose, to motivate people to stay in shape, which are good things, but it's not the main thing. Fooling ourselves thinking that if I have that job or that money that I'm making, then I will have made it. Without him, we have no life other than the shell that we're living in. No hope, no purpose, nothing. Thinking that with the lies and the whisper of the enemy, Satan is whispering, saying, you are living your life to the full. Live each day as it is your last. 
but not even having a relationship, not knowing your maker. How sad of a life it is to live a life without knowing your father, the creator, the one who called you. For me, if it wasn't for Christ in my life, I would have no hope for anything. I am grateful for that event at the age of 16 and at the age of 17, recommitting my heart, my life to God, to Christ, through discipline, through his rebuke, because he loves me out of all my friends getting in trouble, God disciplining me, showing me the truth of his word, of what it means to count the cost of being his disciple. And I'm grateful for the leaders that have shown me the way, who brought rebuke into my life, who brought truth into my life. And in the end, if you're not in Jesus Christ, nothing else matters. None of your accomplishments matter. For they are all garbage compared to the eternal glory that is found in Jesus Christ. The passage that we read last week, and the passage, let's go ahead and read again in Philippians chapter 3. What does Paul say? Verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Skipping to verse 12, it's not on the screen. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 18, for as I have often told you before, and I'll tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ. Many live as enemies of the cross. Are you an enemy to Jesus Christ? Or are you his ally? Are you in Christ? Do you have a relationship with him? Do you have a relationship in Christ? There are no U-Haul trucks to take with you in your death. None of your accomplishments matter. Do you understand that? Nothing else matters. I cannot take my titles with me. Nothing else matters. 
all worldly badges, the merit badges don't matter. The question is, do you have a noble heart? The noble heart is for the one who believes. It's for the one who seeks. Through reading, through praying, through worshiping, through obeying, through forsaking. The one whose heart is made new. The one who guards his or her new heart. And the one who remains in his love. And how do you remain in his love? You remain in Christ, the source. Man and woman of God, count the cost before you are quick to turn away and fall away. Count the cost. Whisper it to yourself every single day. Count the cost. This is what I got myself into. This was the truth from the beginning. And no matter how hard it is, I don't pray for an easy life, but the strength to endure from you, oh God. Count the cost. Whisper it to yourself. Can you whisper it to yourself today, right now, and say, count the cost. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, count the cost. Count it. Count the cost. And if you are listening here today, I pray that you will open up your ears and your hearts, the heart of flesh, like Ezekiel 36, that you will hear the truth of the gospel, the heart of flesh. Jesus is not here to trick you, to convince you, for you to accept him as your Lord and Savior. To sugarcoat the gospel. There are two options. You either, it is either I am in Christ or I am not in Christ. And if God forbid, if you are to ever walk away from your faith, realize this and know this and listen to me carefully. You never had true faith to begin with. You never had it. You are a fraud to begin with. A true faith individual cannot walk away from their faith. For faith does not come from yourselves, but it comes from God. It is God that holds you. It is not us that holds God. You never belong in the first place. You are a fraudulent, quote-unquote, Christian to begin with. You came to church just to socialize. You came to church because your parents told you to. But where will you stand when you're standing alone, when there is no one standing there with you? You are a fraudulent Christian to begin with like Judas. However, it is never too late to run to God and to turn to God and to follow Him wholeheartedly. Amen? So I want to encourage you today to pursue having the noble heart, the greatest badge of honor that a Christian can have and carry. The noble, noble heart. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble 
and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. You need to persevere. We need to work the cost of being a disciple. Follow him wholeheartedly. Don't give up. Don't quit. Wide is a path. It's a destruction. Narrow is the gate. The road, the path that leads to salvation. I pray for you guys. I pray that we will continue to walk on this narrow path to the narrow gate. And I pray that you'll continually work out your salvation by holding on Christ. John 15, remain in him and he in you. Amen. And amen. Can we all close our eyes at this time? I could just invite the praise team to come up at the same time as well. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, with reverence and worship before the living God, may we reflect back to our past, the journey thus far and may we count the cost the cost of being a disciple if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes even their own life such a person cannot be my disciple and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple what Jesus is saying you need to love me more than you love your family more than the loyalty that you have for your family are you loyal to me or are you loyal to the world you need to give up your own life yes even your own life if you cannot that person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And Jesus goes on, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't a, able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against them with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off who will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have 
cannot be my disciples. I'll say it again. Those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is neither fit for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out like the branches in John 15. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. If you don't count the cost, you will not finish the task at hand. You will not finish this race that you are running. The cost of being a disciple. Know the cost. Know what it takes. What is the cost? You need to give up everything. Everything, when I say everything, I mean everything. Like Zacchaeus, like the woman in Bethany, give up everything or else you cannot be my disciples. You must be willing to give up everything. Give up everything for the sake of the gospel, the noble heart. Let us pray together. Let us give our hearts to him. Let us surrender everything to him. Let us give our all to him. Let us pray together. many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus asked, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. But when we read John 6, we see that we as Christians, we fall as human beings. 
we fall into many categories. Those who reject the gospel, those who are considered your quote-unquote disciple, who turn back and will follow the mass and no longer follow you, or we will fall under the category of Peter and the remaining 11 disciples. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Or God forbid, the worst category of all, the sin of apostasy, the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit, the path of Judas. Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil, the one who was later to betray you. Will help us to never fall away from you, but to forever hold on to you. We need you desperately here today. We cannot do this without with our own strength, without your help. May we know the truth of the gospel. This is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Meaning they were not of us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But they're going, they're leaving. Show that none of them belong to us. Meaning they were not of us. How? By leaving the faith. Just as mentioned in John 6, 66. Many turn back and no longer follow him. But Lord, I know what I will do. I know where I stand. To whom shall I go? In you is eternal life. Is the word of life. We need you today desperately. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to carry the badge of honor, the noble heart, the greatest badge of all of a Christian with pride and with humility, knowing that it was given by you and you alone and knowing that, God, that it is not by us. It is not by my strength, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. We are desperate for you. We are hungry for you. We need you today desperately. We thank you. We love you. Pray all these things. Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. God's people pray. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this Sunday and blessing us with this space and with the message that was delivered to us through Reverend Andrew this morning. Lord, may our hearts always be cultivated in and captivated by you so that we may be called your noble-hearted children. We pray for the faith to never walk away from you and to firmly hold on to your truth. Through a new heart and a renewed passion for you, please help us to continually seek after you consistently reading, praying, worshiping, and obeying you, and forsaking our pride and our worldly ways. Even with the cost of being your disciples, 
we still choose to forfeit our lives and to follow you all the way, Lord. By your grace, may we never give up in guarding our hearts so that we may remain in your love and in your presence forever. At this time, we lift this offering up to you, thankful for you, because we know that you are the source of everything. We pray that this offering will be pleasing to you and that it will be used to bring glory to your name. Please continue to watch over each of our members and protect them and their families this week. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.